literally three seconds before I slammed my pinky toe against the edge of my bed. Oh no. But the thing is, my toe is so small, it doesn't hurt. <laughs> what do you mean it didn't hurt? As in... Okay, I feel a way to explain it, but just know that it doesn't really hurt. Is there no nerve endings or something? Welcome to Hidden Among Us. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Honda. And welcome to episode 42. Is it episode 42? I yeah, think it's, it's 42. episode 42. Anyway, welcome. Welcome back. We were on a hiatus because our final weeks of school was kicking us in the ass. And now we are done. Honda, how do you feel? Well, I'm not technically done. I still have one more exam. Oh, sorry. We are mostly done. <laughs> I mean, you are free. I mean, I'm free. Honda, Honda still has one teeny tiny exam to go, and then she'll be done. <laughs> but for now, we have enough time to actually research stories and record episodes. That's great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, we literally just watched the season 13 finale of RuPaul's Drag Race (laughs) and (laughs) not to like become a RuPaul's Drag Race podcast but that finale wasn't very good I actually prefer season 12's finale yeah because I I don't know it was more creative yeah so I don't know how many of our listeners actually watch RuPaul's Drag Race or know what it's about, but it's like a reality TV like competition kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and every year for the finale, it's usually like this grand event that is it's so exciting. Like everybody looks forward to the finale because it's just so good and. Last year's finale couldn't happen live because of, you know, the pandemic. So they did it online, like, over Zoom, like, that sort of format. And this year, they managed to have, like, a live stage with no audience. Mm. But, like, I don't know. It just, it felt empty like there wasn't enough going on in a finale mm. like you know what i mean right yeah i mean even the lip sync itself was just oh yeah the lip syncs were just like i can I think feeling any of it i can think of a lot of more iconic performances mm-hmm. from previous seasons like sash of course sasha sasha velour sasha velour um What's the name? Season 11. Uh, wasn't season 11 like the mess? Season 11 was Aquarius. Is it Aquarius? I thought Aquarius 10. Or is it 11? Shit! What was season 11? What's what's the winner's name? (laughs) I can see her face. I I forgot her name. Shit! Who was it? You you don't Um, remember? I'm trying to remember. I forgot the name. But her perform, her lip syncs are always so good. Evie, it yes. was Evie Oddly. Yes, yes. She was so good, and like her reveal was so good. Remember, like the second hit. Yeah, behind it was her a head. very low key reveal, which is something I can appreciate because like the whole point of a reveal is to be except like surprising. We had Brooklyn Heights and her reveal dress. I mean, her... Yeah, but you see, that that's the thing. Like, she was... Okay, I can appreciate that she was playing on the whole idea of a reveal dress. But anyway, I don't know how much, how much of our audience actually watches Boss Drag Race. It's fun to and, watch. Like, <laughs> it's really fun. It really is really, really fun. Like, Honda told me to just watch it 
and I was really <laughs> curious because like I've heard good things about mm. this show. And I ended up binging, was it four seasons in a week? Like, I, in <laughs> one week, I caught up to, like, that year's current airing season. <laughs> like, it's that addictive. It's so good. It's really so fun. 2018, right? Yes. It was 2018. It was so good. Anyway, uh, I hope everyone has been well. It's April already, so the year's going by quite quickly. And next Saturday is already May. Yeah, next Saturday is already May. Like what the That's hell? so wild. <laughs> it is. It's gonna be oh. almost like mid year. Precisely. Oh god. And it's still corona. Amazing. <laughs> it's getting worse in but- some countries too. Yeah, it's getting Amazing. worse in some countries. So, if your country is, like, affected by it, I really hope that you stay safe. It's... Yeah, don't it's become crazy. Don't become complacent. Like, Yes, everyone stay safe. And... I hope that you missed our episodes as much as we missed <laughs> recording... Because at least it was a day out of the week where we could have fun. <laughs> anyway, Honda. Yes. Are you ready for today's story? No. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> y- you gotta be ready now because, like, I want to start it. Okay. Anyway, so today's story is actually a story request by one of our listeners named Hannah. So, thank you Hannah for this story. Um, Hannah was so good. Like, she slid into our DMs. She's just like, hey guys. I don't know if y'all heard about this story, but here's the story. And then she gave us links for research. And I was like, <laughs> um, thank you. That was so nice. So anyway, Hannah, I hope that I do this story justice because um... After I started researching it, I was like, holy shit. I've never heard about this story, but it's so heartbreaking and so interesting. And also, like, you can have a lot of conversations about the, like, juvenile um, discipline system and Mm. how... Yeah, anyway, I'm just gonna jump right into the story because it is... So interesting, so heartbreaking, and it made me so angry at some of the things that happened in here. Like, I texted Honda and I said (laughs) that I had to take a break. Usually, I do all my research within a day, but this one, I had to take a break. Like, I actually had to come back to it the next day because it was just getting too much because I was so... Okay, you know what? I'm just going to jump right into the story. Okay, all right. So, this is the murder of Nicholas Contreras. Okay. Have you heard about it? No? I don't think so, no. (laughs) So, on March 2, 1998, Officer Philip LeBlanc was dispatched to the Arizona Boys Ranch near Oracle, Arizona in Penal County. Okay, I'm not sure if it's penal or pinal, like pine. Anyway, it's P-I-N-A-L county. You know, I'm going to call it pinal. Like pine. Okay. Um, He was answering a call about a 16-year-old boy who had stopped breathing. When he arrived, employees at the ranch were performing CPR on the motionless body of Nicholas Contreras. A staff member would then tell paramedics that Nicholas had been doing physical training when he had suddenly collapsed. Staff members believed that he was faking the incident and splashed his face with water. When he didn't respond, they searched for a pulse and found none. After which, the members of the ranch immediately began to perform CPR on him. Mm-hmm. Now, Officer LeBlanc noticed something with the body. Mm. He noticed that Nicholas had been wet 
wet from you know the water being poured on him and yeah. that he had vomit next to his head when he asked staff members they claimed that the vomit was the result of performing CPR uh okay yeah i know uh it's quite questionable quite and this is just the tip of the iceberg for this case because Nicholas's body revealed to be an entire crime scene of its own the death of this 16-year-old boy would reveal the ugliness behind the Arizona boys ranch so Nicholas Contreras was born on January 15 1982 when Nicholas was 12 he witnessed his father's murder Nicholas's father had been a victim of a drive-by shooting and was shot on mistake. Oh. It was a case of mistaken identity. So watching the death of his father, father undeniably traumatized young Nicholas, who began to shoplift. So, uh, witnessing it basically led him to a youth full of petty crimes. He was also doing badly in school. Furthermore, Nicholas was placed in foster care, and finally with his uncle. So his entire childhood, his youth, was just a lot of um instability.、Mm. Not only did he witness his father's murder, but like he was also put in the system. He was away from his mother. Uh, finally he ended up under the custody of his uncle, but he was also you know. Shoplifting, committing all these petty crimes. Eventually, he was caught joyriding in a stolen car, and his punishment was told by a California Californian judge in Sacramento County that he had a chance to avoid going to a juvenile detention center. Instead, he could go to the Arizona Boys Ranch, a private military-style camp,、oh. in hopes to reform him. And the interesting thing about this camp is the fact that many of the staff members there、uh, were actually formerly from the military.、Mm. The thing is,、um, Nicholas had actually been very optimistic about the entire situation. Entire situation, like he genuinely believed that if he went to the boys' ranch, that he would be able to turn over a new leaf, and you know he could start completely anew. And he had these big dreams of、um, becoming a firefighter.、Mm. Yeah, but what transpired there resulted in his tragic death, and it's just beyond words to even express. So on January eighth, nineteen ninety eight, Nicholas arrived at the ranch. So Nicholas actually had asthma, and was eventually prescribed an inhaler by the resident physician, Doctor Ginger Rods. Um, but this, but he was only given um his inhaler on like his second visit to the physician's office, which was a month later. So on February eighth, like a month after he arrived there, he was finally prescribed an inhaler for his breathing difficulties.、Mm. But the thing is, right, he was only allowed to use his inhaler with the permission of the ranch staff. So if the 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 facilitators there said that he couldn't use it, he couldn't use his inhaler. What's the point? Right, like what is the point of being prescribed? An inhaler is technically medication. If、mm. you're not allowed to use it unless it's under the supervision or like the permission of the employees there. So, some information on Doctor Rutz. She was actually on probation by the state of Arizona for the illegal use of narcotics, abusing medication, and not maintaining medical charts. And Doctor Rhodes actually had her medical license revoked, but she went for like rehabilitation, and then they reinstated her. So, this is already giving you a 
like a precursor, a general idea of what the ranch was really like. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Nikolaus stayed in barracks number 31 along with 25 other young boys and three staff members. So this was the usual schedule for the for the day. Lah. Um, Nikolaus would wake up between 6.30 and 7 in the morning and get ready for the day's activities. Breakfast was served at 7.30 to 8am. After which, 60% of the group would go to class and the remaining 40% would go to do some physical work. How they're split 60 to 40, I don't know. Also, it's such a weird number. Usually, it's like 50-50. Mm-hmm. But anyway. So, the remaining 40% would go to do physical work. So, physical work included cleaning up the camp area. So, inside the the camp area and the surrounding areas of the camp working on the roads or even working for homeowners in the area. And then at 3.30pm, they will return to the ranch and have physical training before getting ready for dinner. At the time of his death, Nicholas had only spent six weeks at the ranch, which was according to um, the president of the ranch, still the orientation uh, period of the camp. And remember how I said that he had asthma? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually found the police report of this online. And by the way, it's a really long report. And it... Oh, the details are just like... Holy shit. Anyway, um, it is stated that he had been treated by the on-duty nurse for the flu and his breathing, which was causing him to hyperventilate. And you know what they did for his hyperventilation? What? They gave him a paper bag and <laughs> told him to breathe into it to help control his breathing. Yeah, I was going to say paper bag. Like, oh god. Anyway, moving on. <sighs> so, what actually happened to Nicolas Contreras? Um, he actually began to feel very unwell shortly after arriving at the ranch. Along with his breathing issues, he also suffered from nausea and diarrhea. Mm. This time, he went to the ranch nurse, Nurse Linda Barb. Barb saw Nicholas on several occasions on February 27th, March 1st, and March 2nd. She claimed that during all three visits... Nikolaus had complained about hurting all over and that he had been hyperventilating. So she checked his breathing, even describing how she used a stethoscope to listen to his heart and lungs before stating that his breathing was completely normal. She did note, however, that he had several cuts on his body when she made him to strip to perform a physical examination. Though later... Nurse Bob would go on to reveal that she had not checked Nicholas's breathing with a stethoscope, or more accurately, was not sure if she did. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was reading the the report and I was like, are you kidding me? Because she really described how she used the stethoscope to check his his chest and lungs. Like, she talked about how she um, put it under his shirt, like, the actual way to do it. And then later on, it was like, oh, she wasn't sure if she did it at all. Yeah. In fact, Nurse Bab had initially claimed that she had not been alone when examining Nicholas's body. With her was another staff member, Cornell Martin Wilkes, who said that he saw Nurse Bab examine Nicholas with a stethoscope and that she had come down on her day off to look at him. Mm. Yeah. The two of them had been particularly concerned about the marks on his body, but deduced that it had been the result of him being assisted during physical exercise. Niklaus had told Nurse Bob that he needed 48 hours of rest, but was only prescribed 12 hours. And by this point... Nicholas was very, very unwell. He lost over 20 pounds, which I believe is about 40 kilograms? That's a, that's a lot for... Like, 40? 
That's a lover. Hold on. Let me double check. 20 For pounds 16 year old, kilogram. Unless, like, he was very heavy beforehand. Oh, hold on. Oh, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> 20 pounds is 9 kilograms. Okay. Apologies. But even then, it's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. To lose... And for, like, a growing teenage boy. Precisely. Precisely that. Um... He was described to be breathing through his mouth and walking very slowly. But Nurse Bob, when um, examining Niklaus, would tell him that it was all in his head and they had already worked on his breathing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was it. The staff at the Arizona Boys Ranch did not believe that Niklaus had been sick. They thought he was lazy. They thought he was being rebellious. They forced him to do physical training, even as he struggled to breathe. They would throw water on him if he felt unconscious. They would punch him and throw him around. (sighs) Niklaus was denied access to the restroom as well. Um, the boys were only allowed to use it after breakfast and after their physical training. So literally only twice a day they were allowed to use the bathroom. Why? What's the logic? Right. What, what, what's the logic? That is the big question here. As Nikolaus deteriorated, he could not even control his own bodily functions and would soil his clothes. Yet the staff at the ranch would treat him like he was faking his illness. So the ranch had a system. Um, During orientation, they wore red shirts. This was the part of the program in which they had to learn what was expected of them. Also, as a reminder, this was a ranch... I mean, this this whole idea was to reform these... Mm-hmm. Um, like rebellious deviant youth these boys so um basically all the 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 teachings there the the physical training or whatever was to teach them what is expected of them you know and um that's why they were physically trained um eventually after the red stage they would graduate to 10 shirts now there was a third class of shirts called the yellow shirts. And the yellow shirts was only given to those that were deemed to be rebellious or breaking the rules. AKA, the yellow shirts were given to those that were being punished. Mm-hmm. And when they were given a yellow shirt, they had to do grueling physical training harder than the other shirts. And that their beds would literally be moved to the middle of the barracks between dorms. Yeah, so not only were they like punished during the day when there's activities, at night, they were punished as well. Mm. And Niklaus was given yellow shirt status. (sighs) Yeah. And um, it's quite interesting because um, one witness account said that um, this boy basically told the officer that Niklaus was actually a very good worker and that he never complained. He was observed that when... um, So the thing is, Niklaus was a good boy. Like, in the eyes of the people around him, like, he was listening to rules. He, he, he didn't do anything that warranted him a yellow shirt status other than telling the the, the staff there and the nurse there that he was feeling unwell. Mm-hmm. And the whole reason why he was even in yellow shirt status was because they believed that he was faking his illnesses. But like, on what basis though? That's the thing, right? And, okay, as you hear the story... Um, this question you asked will sort of get answered. Okay. Okay. So, um, this witness also said that he observed that when eating his meal, right, Niklaus would literally vomit. 
he'll like vomit and then he'll just continue eating his meal. Clearly, there's something not going well or going right with Nikolaus's health. Mm-hmm. And at night, Nikolaus would literally clutch his chest and complain of pain. Um, Nikolaus was told to do push-ups when he told instructors that he couldn't. He was shoved to the ground and assisted in doing push-ups. And you know the way they assisted him, right? Was um, they would push him to the ground and then they will grab his belt and pull him up. So their assistance was literally to physically force him to go down and go back up mm-hmm. while doing the push-ups. And all this while, Nikolaus was saying that he couldn't do it. Like he physically could not do the the tasks <laughs> and the thing is like it wasn't just this sort of violent um assistance for his pt he was also like slammed into the wall for being unable to exercise and due to Nicholas's constant vomiting he was actually made to carry around this giant yellow trash can and <laughs> in the trash can was his soiled clothing and the staff um the staff basically said if he was going to defecate and throw up on himself then he can walk around with his soiled clothing wow yeah and it wasn't just that but he was also made to do push-ups over the trash can so that his face would literally go inside it with his soiled clothing every time he went down. And um, Nikolaus would basically plead with the camp instructors, like telling them that he could not even control his bowel movements and that he was going to defecate himself. And the instructors would basically tell him like, yeah, just go ahead and like shit on yourself. (sighs) Just do it. And then when he did, he had to walk around with that yellow trash can. And Nicholas was also made to sleep near the toilets and even eat while on it because he couldn't control his bowels. He was so sick that he couldn't control his own bodily functions. And yet, even at this point, the instructors of the camp were were basically telling him that it was all in his head and that he was just not sick. They they thought he was basically faking it. Like, for what? <laughs> right? And this is the thing, like, there's a big question here. For what? Like, why aren't you believing these boys? Is it because the reason why they came to this camp is to be reformed? Are you basing them on the judgments that was made to bring them here or their past deviant acts on their crimes. But it was just, it's so unwarranted. Why, is it because this camp is run like military style, like paramilitary style? Is that why you want to be so hard on these boys? But mm-hmm. they're teenagers. But I'm pretty sure they have like that be a man kind of mentality, you know? Yeah. And <sighs> I think that that's also at the heart of this issue was the fact that in the eyes of all these people, like, he wasn't manning up. Yeah. He was trying to take the easy way out by saying that he he was sick. Mm-hmm. And so he couldn't do the the physical training and, like, the, the, the work there. Mm. And, like, the thing that really made me so angry was also the fact that he was being constantly humiliated because of his health. Like, he had to carry around this trash can, he had to sleep near the toilets, and on top of that, the staff actually told the other boys not to believe him when he said he was sick because he was a manipulator and that he had AIDS. What the hell? Um, the, the staff there also would make fun of him. They would count down before saying he's gonna blow as he was about to vomit. And one of the boys mentioned that a staff member, Mr. Jones, treated Nicklaus the worst. He denied him going to the toilet, slammed him into a wall when Nicklaus said he could not control his bowels and even had his head banged repeatedly against the wall. A bunch of psychopaths running the facility. 
Oh god, I feel like even calling them psychopaths is just like an easy way out. Hmm. So on February 27th, a few days before Niklaus's death, he actually made a phone call to his grandma grand to his grandmother. Um at this point he was so weak that he couldn't even string a sentence together. Mm-hmm. All he could say was, wanna die, wanna be with dad too hard, and chest hurts bad. When it was time to speak to his mother, he could not stop coughing. Mm. And then eventually on March 2nd, 1998, Niklaus woke up at 6.30 in the morning as per usual. Mm -hmm. He collapsed multiple times on his last day and he was even told that he deserved to win an academy award for his performance so once again Niklaus was slammed against the wall and forced to do push-ups when made to walk <sighs> uphill he collapsed and was placed in a wheelbarrow and then the staff made him wail like an ambulance That afternoon, around 1pm, um, he spoke to his probation officer, Don Berg. He told him that he was feeling unwell, but Berg just completely ignored him. Um, and he was later forced to do more physical activities as his body slowly shut down. He soiled himself again and as punishment was not allowed to clean up. Like He had to walk around in that soiled clothes all day. At 5.30pm, with his body reaching its final limit, Niklaus Contreras collapsed for the final time. Two staff members ordered him to get up, but he managed to say no. The two staff members dragged his body. By the way, when I say drag his body, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine this. They're holding him up from under his arms, right? And his legs, his feet are on the ground and they just drag him. Yeah, they didn't even hold him properly. They just dragged him. Um, they dragged his body and they forced him to chug down water. But that was unsuccessful. And by the time help was called, it was too late for Niklaus. So the autopsy on his body would reveal that he had a severe infection in his lungs to the point that one lung had partially collapsed. And that he had vomit in his lungs. His stomach was distended from pus that had filled his abdomen. And throughout his body, from face to toes, he was covered in cuts. They found over 71 cuts on his body. And the cuts were basically uh, caused by how roughly he was handled by the staff there. Mm -hmm. (sighs) This is so hard. So the official cause of death um, on the autopsy was cardiac arrest from the fluid in his lungs and chest. His real cause of death was neglect and abuse by the hands of the staff members at the Arizona Boys Ranch. Mm. It would then come to light that such abuse was actually not something new to the ranch. In fact, in the previous five years, there had been nearly 100 cases of abuse much like Niklaus's. Mm. One boy um, was so severely burned that he needed um, skin grafts. They had basically thrown boiling water on him, if I'm not wrong. (sighs) Another boy had been slammed so hard into a wall that he had broken his nose. In 1994, a boy had actually drowned in a canal while running away from the ranch. Wow. Yeah. And in 1996, the ranch's license had actually been put on provisional status because of the abuse for the third time. So this is the third time that the ranch's license had been on provisional status. And even after Niklaus's death, the 
this part, I just... I was so ready to, like, fight this dude. Like, I, I'm throwing hands, okay? So, after Nicholas's death, right, Bob Thomas, the president of the ranch, he basically came out, right, and he said that, oh, Nicholas had never been abused here. There's no such thing as abuse. Like, no. we have a very strong stance against abuse. And this Nicholas dude, like, he... He, him claiming abuse is just basically to make the the ranch look bad. Of and he course. even condemned the images. So at this point, right, um, the story had actually made national news and like images were literally on the front page of newspapers. And then this Bob Thomas, this president of the ranch, was just like, oh yeah, he's just trying to make us look bad. I was like, what kind of shitty person? Hmm. What the hell? Um, he even said, Who do you believe? The staff or the kids? Because, right, <laughs> boys that made mistakes and had to come to this reformatory camp can't be believed because the staff there are saints. No. Um... 17 staff members were placed on the Arizona Child Abuser Directory by the Arizona Department of Economic Security. Why economic security? I don't know. It's just an Arizona thing. <laughs> like, all this falls under their jurisdiction. Um, the employees involved in Nicholas's death were eventually dismissed. Uh, they were either dismissed, laid off, or resigned from their positions. And... Eventually, on August 27th, 1998, the ranch lost its license. Um, and four or five similar facilities in Arizona were also shut down. So, Linda Babb, Geoffrey Sean Lewis, Montgomery Clayton Hoover, Michael Martin Marino, and Troy Michael Jones were indicted for their involvement in Niklaus's death. They were each charged with one count of child abuse and one count of manslaughter, facing 12 and a half years of prison. However, the Pinal County District would eventually drop all charges against them. Okay, for listeners who can't see, Honda just rolled her eyes. <laughs> Okay, so this is the, the, the BS ruling, okay? So they ruled that the staff members relied on the accounts of Linda Bab, the, the nurse, and that she had not been present uh, for most of the time there. So because of that, um, they are not culpable. Because mm. no. they had nothing to go off. Because all the medical advice, she wasn't there most of the time. So, like, how can she tell them, right? Even though she was the one who, like, gave him the clean bill of health and kept saying that he was completely fine. Anyway, and then for Linda Bab, um, she did not have sufficient information regarding Niklaus to fully understand and diagnose him. So, she could not be blamed. Of course. Yeah. But it's just... It just mind-boggles me that she saw this sick boy and she was like, oh yeah, he's totally fine. Right. I mean, he must look freaking terrible. Yeah, he also lost so much weight. How is he going to fake that? He's obviously, you know, not healthy at that point. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, um... On one of the sites that I um, got information from the story from, one of the comments there was like, how are you going to fake having diarrhea? Yeah, or like you can't fake vomit. That. <laughs> Precisely. Like for vomiting, I guess you can sure, but argue like, that. He's so... Why would he fake being so gross, like in such a gross state? Who wants to be yeah. in that gross state the whole time? Who wants to be... Who wants to carry around a yellow trash can filled with salt clothes? Yeah, that's why. And also, he was constantly vomiting to the point where he had to sleep next to the toilet. 
like it's quite clear that he has no control over it. Mm. Anyway, um, so they were all eventually let go. So they had no jail time. They were not fined for anything. They had no repercussions. The only good thing to come out of this was the fact that California stopped funding the ranch. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Nicholas's mother eventually received about a $1.5 million settlement by the state. And yeah, um, <laughs> all of Nicholas's abusers, murderers, they were all free to go after that. And this case was actually very difficult to read about. And I think it's also a very important conversation to have about the way particularly juveniles are punished Mm -hmm. in like larger systems like they get sent off to all these camps in hopes that these camps can reform them but I don't know the, the whole idea of being so hard on them and literally physically forcing them into reforming it's just it's not gonna work like yeah i mean how does violence teach them to be like a better person or like to resolve their anger better they're just gonna learn that violence is the answer right (laughs) precisely and even in niklaus's case like the the reason why he End up, ended up deviating so much was because he was traumatised by his father's death. Mm-hmm. He witnessed his father get shot. And for a 12-year-old boy, that is going to scar you very deeply. Mm-hmm. So instead of finding the root causes as to why these boys, these children do the things they do, like you straight jump into the punishing stage. It's like, what are you trying to resolve here? Yeah, and... Oof. So, thank you, Hannah, for this story. I think it's also... It is an important story. And I think also, particularly in Asian societies, that still view punishing as, like, the best solution for for bad children, naughty children. Mm-hmm. There's this idea of you have to be hard on them. Like, not military style, but it's somewhat like it. Like, this very strict persona Mm -hmm. that adults tend to, like... This this, this strict facade that adults put on in order to, like, hammer good values into children. But that just leads to a lot of (laughs) childhood trauma. And, yeah, it's just... Woof. Yeah, I mean, schools have caning. Yeah, some schools still have caning. Yeah, so for international <laughs> listeners who don't know about it, so in Singapore, particularly in boys' school, there are some um, schools that still have public caning as a punishment. So what they do is they bring these boys... It's, it mostly happens in boys' schools these boys who have done something wrong, they bring them up on, like, stage for the whole school and then they cane them. I mean, it happened in my primary school. It was a co-ed school. Oh, yikes. I mean, they put, like, you know, like, a notebook inside the pen, so, like, it technically doesn't hurt, but, like, it's still, like, humiliating, you know? It's, like, in front of the whole school. Yeah, humiliating. Also, the very idea of being punished like that is just... yeah. Yeah, so... Oof. This was very difficult. (laughs) Particularly because, like... I think this story is one of those instances where I legitimately wanted to, like, reach through time 
and like grab the shoulders of all these staff members and like literally shake them and yell that like Nicholas is sick. I don't think they they will listen. And it's just it's so painful to know that they not only dismissed him by saying that he was faking it, but they told other boys at the ranch that he was faking it as well. Mm-hmm. And the environment was created in such a way that even the other boys couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. They could only witness what was happening. And all this could have been avoided. And it's so sad. Like, what is Nikolaus's mother going to do with a $1.5 million settlement? She will never get her son back. Yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> that's... So, this is the story of Nikolaus Contreras. <laughs> Thank you, Hannah, for suggesting the story. Oh, okay. All right. Honda. More of us just drinking water. Oh, yeah, I didn't mention. Today, we've got a horror story as well. We do? Who'd have thought? Okay. Today's Supernatural episode is about a doll. Shut <laughs> up. What doll? No, it's not Annabelle. Oh, Okay. No, wait, then what doll? <laughs> you can only think about Annabelle. No, okay. I've heard of a few haunted dolls. So I'm quite nervous. Okay. Are we talking about... Is it Jeff? It's not Jeff. No. Okay. Try Jeff. <laughs> Sorry, there's a, there's a haunted doll called Jeff. Okay. okay. I think it's... They, 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 most, they have like the most normal names. <laughs> I know. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, even the doll that I'm going to be talking about has the most normal name ever. Okay, wh- well, who is it? What is it? It's I just... Robert the doll. <gasps> Shut up, um, not yes. Robert the doll. Okay. Oh, so you, you, you've known, you know how it, look, like, it looks like, right? No, I don't know what it looks like. I, I know of okay. Robert the doll. I couldn't show know me of I the doll. How do you know of the doll, but you don't um, know how it looks like? Wait. Shit, I don't want to see that. Honda, I don't want to see that. Ew, okay, I don't want to see it. I don't want <laughs> Honda, if you don't take that picture it's off. out of the screen right now. <laughs> okay, okay. Shit, I'm sorry. I'm so freaked out by like all these haunted dolls. Okay, yes, I know of Robert the Doll. I've never, okay, this is a reason why I don't look up pictures of all these, like, haunted dolls, okay? Except Annabelle, because she doesn't Annabelle look looks pretty scary, cute, but... like the original doll. Wait, actually, I don't think I was referring to Jeff the Doll. I think I actually meant to say Robert the Doll. Jeff, Jeff is something else, sorry. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, okay? It's a creepy, creepy doll. Okay, okay, Honda. Okay. Can't say I'm excited, but I'm intrigued. So, like Annabelle, Robert the Doll is also being exhibited. And he is exhibited at the East Martello Museum in Florida. Ugh, all the weird haunted shit goes there. Goes there? Yeah, they've got a whole bunch of, like, haunted items on display there. What else? I can't remember, but there are. I mean, Annabelle is there not. Are. Annabelle is not in this museum, though. Okay, then I. Okay, I don't know. Annabelle is know. in the collection of like the, the the ghost hunters. You remember that the paranormal people, oh, the couple. Oh yes. Okay, ignore me. <laughs> me just like mixing up the information that I've heard elsewhere. <laughs> Okay, so Robert the Doll was once owned by Robert Eugene Otto and it was given to him as a birthday gift when he was a child. Oh dear god, okay. Would you like that as your birthday present? 
No, it looks horrific. Actually, actually, it might have been cute back in its day. Now, because of wear and tear, it just looks freaky. Mm. Either way, short answer, no. I would not want it. Thank you. Yeah, so like, I showed you the picture of the doll, right? And you can see that he's wearing a sailor's uniform. And it's apparently the outfit that the child used to wear. Like, it used to be Otto's clothes. How big is this doll? As big as a child. (laughs) Huh? (laughs) I thought it was a tiny doll. No, it's quite big. Oh god, no! Why would you put your actual child's clothes on a do- Okay, you know what? <laughs> That's freaky. That's already freaky. Okay. Yeah, the doll is manufactured by the Steiff Company, which is a German toy company, and it's also- the company is well known for producing like high-quality teddy bears. And Otto's grandfather purchased the doll while in Germany in 1904. So... Yeah, the doll is actually not made to be a toy, but actually a window display for products. So that's why it's so big. Oh, okay. Because if somebody went around making life-size dolls, I don't think I would be down for that. And also, this doll is very old. (laughs) It looks very, very old. I mean, it was originally bought in 1904. Yeah, It's more than 100 years old. (laughs) Yeah. Gross. Okay. Yeah, and the, the doll remained in the auto home even as Otto went to New York and Paris for art school. And then when Otto married his wife in 1930 and returned to the family home, yeah, the doll was still there. Oh. In- but- anyway, congratulations, Otto, for going to art school. <laughs> Join us, arts people. Okay, never mind. Carry Different on. arts, but okay. <laughs> it's still art. Yeah, but in but in nineteen seventy four, Otto died and his wife died two years later. Oh no! Yeah, so the doll remained in the house even after their death, and even when the like the house was sold to a person called Malta Ruder, um, the doll was still in the house. It was the doll was sold with the house to the next owner. Oh my god, it's like, well, don't buy one, get one free shit. It's like, buy a house to get this creepy doll free. Yeah, and it was in the house for like 20 years. And then oh, the wow. house was sold to the current owners. But then in 1994, um, the doll was donated to the East Mattello Museum and eventually became a tourist attraction. Oh, wow, okay. So, so far, like, it sounds pretty harmless, right? I didn't say anything. I mean... I didn't say anything, like, scary. I mean, the scariest thing was how ugly that doll looked, but... I digress. So, when Robert Eugene Otto first received the doll, he really liked his present and played with it a lot. But then, when Otto misbehaved or when something went missing or broken, you know, Otto blamed the doll. And the first supernatural incident happened during Otto's childhood. So one day, he woke up and found that the doll was sitting at the end of his bed. Shut up, I'm nervous. Wanda. And his small beady eyes were staring back at Otto. So moments later, the furniture began to be thrown around the room. Can you not? Say it in such a quiet voice. <laughs> no. I hate this. Okay, carry on. And everyone else in the household was woken up. Because, you know, obviously it's a whole commotion. And when Otto's mother entered the room, she found that all the items and furniture were in disarray. And thought that Otto was curled oh, up in God. bed in fear. And then she saw Robert <gasps> sitting at the end of the bed. Jesus Christ, okay. So remember I said how like Otto would blame the doll when something happened? Mm-hmm. And 
So Otto still continued to do that even after the incident. But then... Oh god. Now the, fa- now the family started hearing a response when Otto blamed the doll. They could hear an unfamiliar voice. And as a result of all the blaming on the doll, the doll's behavior started to get worse. So this doll likes to sit on one of the win- on the upstairs win- window of the house. So the passing school children would see how the doll would appear and disappear on the windowsill. So when Otto So when Otto heard about this, like, you know, amongst the school children, he Otto went to the where the doll was, you know, like where he was always seen mm-hmm. to find that the doll had been in a rocking chair in the upstairs bedroom. Okay. So, you know, the doll stayed in the house as Otto left for art school. And then when he and his wife, you know, came back and started to live in the house again, his wife was disturbed by the doll. I mean, obviously. I mean, yeah, literally, obviously. So they moved the doll to the attic. But the doll... The doll did not like this. The wife would hear footsteps and giggling from the attic space. I love seeing Chris's face. <laughs> it's so... Oh my god. Oh. And even after the house was, you know, sold along with the doll, the new owner's daughter would scream every night in fear. And she feared that the doll would hurt her. She also told her parents that Robert was wandering around the room at night. Oh god, not wandering around the room at night. Okay. That's and it's as I large as a child. Draw the line. Yeah, and that's the, that's the scary thing. This doll is not tiny. It's huge. <laughs> so oh gosh, in... okay. In 1994, the doll was donated to the museum, which is now his home. And if you want to visit the doll, please be careful. The museum staff has seen Robert the doll move and even change expression. Shut shut up. (laughs) And they could also hear it giggle sometimes. No! 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 Straight up, no! No! Honda! No! What? Oh my god. I freaking hate this. Okay. (laughs) And if you want to take a picture of Robert the doll, you have to ask its permission. Oh my god. Okay. Because those that didn't were met with a bad fate. People who didn't respect Robert at all were injured or involved in car accidents, you know, had divorces and job losses. Okay, like, <laughs> I feel like the difference from like, yeah, they were involved in car accidents. That one is like, holy shit, no. And then they're like, and then job you were losses. like, oh, and then job loss and divorce, like, sir, you sure it's the doll or. <laughs> And, you know, Robert would receive one to three letters a day. And these letters are apologies. And they're apologizing that, you know, how they didn't respect um, Robert on their visit. And they beg for his forgiveness. <laughs> oh, God. You know when you said letters, I genuinely thought, okay, maybe it's one of those, like, you know those love letters people send to like serial killers to, to express their admiration or whatever? So maybe, yeah, you know, maybe it's people sending their letters to Robert to express their admiration for this life-sized baby doll thing. And then you straight up hit me with, oh yeah, there were apologies. People are literally begging this doll for forgiveness. <laughs> okay. And if you're visiting Robert, 
don't speak badly about it. People would see that his expression would change to an angry one. And some people had even seen Robert put his hand against the glass case that he was inside of. No! (laughs) No! Absolutely not! No! So, Chris, this will be the first top when we go to Florida. (laughs) Stop it! If we go to Florida. No, but wait. Does does this only work if we are, like, in his vicinity and make fun of him? Like, is he going to come for me now? You called it ugly multiple times, Chris. Yeah, (laughs) is he going to come for me? Well, let me know how your sleep went and if you hear any giggling. Or if you see something sitting at the foot of your bed. (laughs) Listen, listen, there's already, like, weird noises from the upstairs <laughs> neighbours, okay? It's like, Robert. Like, they've been moving... Shh, stop it. <laughs> they're already moving, like, furniture at, like, odd hours of the night, and I really don't want to know what's going on. Like, I refuse to believe there's anything else. Maybe they just want to move their furniture at one in the morning. Maybe they just want to do that. That's it. Okay, Chris. Whatever makes you sleep better at night. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, this is... I hate that, okay? I hate that. (laughs) Oh, goodness. Yeah, I wonder why they didn't get rid of Robert the whole time. I know. I was about to ask that. Like, if you know that this doll is... Terrorizing kids. (laughs) Yeah, and also doing, like, this weird, creepy shit. I mean, it's good for the museum. Like, people go to the museum because of the doll. It's the main attraction. But, like, the homeowners, like, why would you want it to terrorize your kid? And it's also also ugly. No offense, Robert. You're ugly. What do you mean, no offense? You meant full offense. (laughs) Robert, go, go visit her. Don't visit me. No, I'm not fun to terrorize. You know what's true? I'm not, like, it's not afraid of these things. Isn't it your family that have, like, the literal worst um, ghost sensations? I don't think the phrase is ghost sensation. Ghost sensation? Sightings? <laughs> no, like... Yeah, you're super insensitive to ghosts like y'all cannot sense the paranormal mm, my mom is the only one in her office that hasn't seen that ghost on her floor <laughs> yeah so well maybe that's a good thing I mean I do hear questionable things Honda but no. I don't really I'll be like what's that noise okay and then I'll just go back to what I was doing <laughs> Stop it. Oh my god, I hate that. That's literally not me. I'm like the complete opposite. I hear questionable sounds and like, <laughs> my brain goes to overdrive and I think I'm about to die. So there's that. Mm, I hope Robert doesn't come for you. What? <laughs> you know what, Honda? I'm going to sprinkle holy water on myself to die. I'm gonna go get, like, <laughs> water, get it blessed, and I'm just gonna douse myself in it. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So you know, apparently there's actually like, um, like a movie loosely based on Robert. It it even has four sequels. Chucky. No, no, I said it's literally called Robert. Like the movie is called Robert. Oh, oh. I don't know, he's not based on it. Why did my mind go to Chucky? No, I don't know why, why, like, (laughs) they like to make the doll, like, freaking creepy. You know, like, how Annabelle, the doll in the movie, looks freaking creepy? But then in real life, it's like a, like a badly made stuffed toy. Yeah, but like, are you going to be frightened by... Stop it! I I feel like the original is more scary, though. This looks like oh, Annabelle's. Yeah, like this... this looks like Annabelle's brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
anyway yes thank you for jeff and not jeff why am i thinking about jeff shut up honda honda just showed me a picture of that freaking robert doll and i hate it it's so ugly oh my god okay anyway honda thank you for your robert the doll story um i never want to see it ever again if you come at me with another image of it i am blocking you Okay. On all my social medias. Okay. And in real life. Okay. Honda. No. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yes. Um. Thank you, everyone, for. I guess, being with us, even though we haven't posted in two weeks, and for understanding, <laughs> we have to go through the pains of school life as well. So, I hope you enjoyed this double story episode mm-hmm. if you enjoyed this episode and want to support us please rate us five stars on apple Podcasts, leave us a review and click that follow button on spotify you can also listen to us on google Podcasts, stitcher iHeartRadio, amazon and whatever podcast platform you listen to and you can follow us on instagram at hgu podcast share us a message or send us a story if you'd like you can also email us at hiddenamongustree at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Stay safe. Bye. Don't anger Robert. So, oh God, not Robert. <laughs>